people talk about there not being enough characters in sport nowadays and stuff like that. You've got someone like Andrew Butcher, who's very funny and like a prankster and always up to something and you know and, and great yep. to have around camps um there's a guy called tom lancashire who's, who's the set i think was he there in 2014 when you were there tom yeah like a really good guy yeah to he have was camps, um, funny charming yeah. incredibly handsome um yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah you just someone like that who's, who's just who's, who's good value around and um that, like that makes that makes a camp so much better when you've got people who, who are yeah who, who, who are like that um but ge- generally speaking i would say yeah. that there's just within that world that they have um, a real ability to get down to the hard work like i think i think in, in order to be a truly world-class endurance yep. athlete you're looking at a number of years of just getting up getting it done running hard training big volumes hard sessions recovering getting up and doing it again the next day making sure you eat the right food trying to stay healthy like it's yep. it's it's hard it's incredibly hard I, I, I think anyone who anyone who runs to a decent level will know how hard you have to work to get there and, and for the guys at the top level they're they're working harder honestly like they, they, they don't leave a stone unturned you know you mentioned Charlie Grice there again someone who um, Elliot Giles another, another guy that I'm yep. working closely with like he, he, he will he, he's like a sponge for work and you're just like yeah give me more but you just tell me I'll do it I'll do it I'll do it and those guys <laughs> will session hard and go in the yep. gym and work hard and then they'll do the, the, the second run of the day and they'll rest in between but they are working like yeah it's long days long hours hard work repetitive exhausting you know and they and they get on with it i mean it's 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 also a privilege isn't it to be able to do that welcome to the run culture podcast my name is dane verway i'm an experienced runner and running physiotherapist I created this podcast not only so I had an excuse to talk running each and every week, something that I love to do, but more importantly, this podcast gives me the opportunity to interview fellow runners, friends and health professionals in a relaxed and easygoing format. This podcast is designed for the everyday runner, so we can all live, learn, grow and enjoy everything there is to running together. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 49 of the Run Culture Podcast. A week ago, I interviewed Andy Walling. Andy Walling is the lead endurance physiotherapist at British Athletics. He has also been a running coach since 1994 and was a respectable runner himself, winning a couple of Wales national titles on the track and running a highly respectable 347 for the 1500. Since 2007, Andy has been a physiotherapist for UK Athletics. He's been a physiotherapist at many major championships over this time. I first bumped into Andy in I-10, Kenya, 2014, where he was a physiotherapist for the UK Athletics distance team that was training for the Glasgow 2014 Com Games. In this interview, Andy shares a wonderful insight into how he got into athletics as a youngster, his role models, his own running career, how he got into coaching and physio, his experience as a physiotherapist at major competitions, training camps, and in the British Olympic Association's intensive rehab unit. 
I also quiz him about why he thinks Mo Farah and Laura Muir are so successful. Andy finishes the interview with a barb about Australian rugby and he reluctantly answers my question about who he's most excited about in his running squad going forward. I'd personally like to thank Andy for how generous he was with his time in this interview, his detailed answers and how incredibly easygoing he was. We open the chat talking about COVID-19. Here it is. Enjoy. Andy Walling. Yeah, so we're we're um, not allowed to treat athletes. Um, yep, we're uh, you're only supposed to go out of the house for essential. Well, you can go out to work, but only for essential business, essential travel. Um, you're allowed to go out once to shop and once to exercise in a day. Okay, um, so it's yeah, the schools are short and most people are home, and yeah, it's really like it, it's really from a running point of view, it's uh, it's really weird as well. We got like WhatsApp group at the club and stuff, and everyone's like doing their own thing, and it's ah, oh, you know, I really miss group sessions, and now people getting on with this, and motivation levels have really dropped, and it's just yeah, there's no races, there's nothing to target. It's it's yeah, it's weird time, really weird time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the least that's the least of our worries in some ways, isn't it? People are dying of this, and yeah, exactly. Uh, but the whole the whole thing is just bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's just um, it, not many things in that could have um, stopped the world like this um, in such a no, quick, no, no. quick time. Yeah, you can't imagine it, can you? No, uh, no. Well, I'm so so glad to have you on because um, um, yeah, I, I was um, messaging um, Michael actually through a friend of a friend, and and then he yeah. gave me your contact um, details, and um, yeah, I, I always remember um, yeah first sort of bumping into you and meeting you um, back in, you know, 2014 in um, at Lorna Kiplagat's um, yeah. High Altitude Training Centre in Kenya. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Uh, you, were getting, you were getting some miles in then, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I was, um, yeah, just went over, like I'd um, worked um, nonstop for two years and, and saved all my annual leave so I could t- stay over there for seven weeks. Um, <laughs> and it just, yeah, it was just purely coincidental that, um, yeah, Team um, GB was there um, preparing for Glasgow Com Games, and um, yeah, it was yeah. pretty pretty surreal. Um, and yeah, I just remember you were over there as the physio. Yeah, that's right. But British Athletics um, started a sort of altitude training program. They kind of looked at endurance and the endurance world, and they were trying to see how they could either match or improve. Um, the the sort of what's going on in in the in the best places where's where's the sort of east africa and the home of endurance as it had become and what, what's the difference what have they got that we haven't got and altitude was seen as one of the things that was um you know the the real difference and so it was i guess they started a process of how often do we need to go how how where can we go and um kenya was explored and the london marathon played a really important role in in funding this as well and um people uh-huh. like dave bedford and ian stewart at the time um were, were were real drivers behind this process and i think they invested quite a bit of money actually into the high altitude training center as well they helped build the track and um they helped build some of the accommodation and and, and things like that as well so the idea was to get yeah british endurance athletes to altitude and then you know with the physiological support and the testing and to see the impact of it and 
um, how often they need to go and whether a double bubble works and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, the, the, they kind of used E10, November and January as, as camps and, and then Europe because um, late, later in the season. Because obviously for us, it's, it's, Europe's got lots of nice altitude um, centres and places that you can go, sort of Font-Romeau, Samaritz being the two key ones. But um, the weather's so bad, at uh, certain times of the year, you can't go there because it's it's just snowing, and so yeah, you, yep. you're a bit stuck. So, from a from a time zone point of view, and all that sort of stuff as well, America or Australia would be a bit more of a challenge. And so, yeah, East Africa became became the home of, of um, altitude for British athletics as well, really, for big chunks of the year. Yeah, um, yeah. As, as a therapist, that was that was a really not you know. I wasn't going to go there as an athlete. I was I was well past that, and and so yeah, to to get to go to E10 and 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 see it and experience it was a real privilege. Because as a as an athlete, um, I've done a been doing a little bit of research. Um, and there's this awesome website, uh, Power of Ten. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was scrolling through that, and uh, yeah, I saw that um, you're you're very handy um over the 800 and 1500 um, uh, yeah. <laughs> like a Welsh international distance runner and, um, and, and then you've been a coach for a long time as well. And yeah, yeah you got your 800 down to 150.6 in 1995. <laughs> and it looked like you had so many cracks in 1997 to, to try to break that 150 barrier. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I was, I was 19 when I ran 150 and um, probably didn't know that much about training really just went out, ran everything hard, reasonably short and, 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 um, yeah, I, I I was running from the age of nine, so running running's been like in my blood and a part of part of my life, and I guess a part of me now for for a long time because I'm I'm quite old now. Um, you forty seven? Forty seven now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the power of ten actually came out after after a lot of my a lot of my road. So like all my road times and stuff that are on there are, are not. I'm gonna get that out there now that I've, I've run quicker than the times on there. <laughs> oh yeah yeah so um, over 10k and 5k yeah and like that like 10 miles I, I ran 51 and a half minutes for 10 miles and uh but not i was never i was never a distance runner in that sense i was i was much more of an 815 runner as, as yep. the power of 10 sort of shows you but um uh, yeah I, I i've run for run for as long as i can remember i love running i tr- breaking 150 actually became like a, a millstone around my neck i I can remember going through because we have the British <laughs> Milers Club in this country, so they set up paced races, and um, you know that it's going to start at eight o'clock, and so you can get your warm up right and all that sort of stuff. And waiting for good weather in Britain is always a nightmare, and you get very few yep. days where it's like, oh, there's no wind, or it's not raining, or you know, it's a, it's actually decent. <laughs> and a, there were a couple of times where the stars aligned and it was perfect weather, and either the pacemaker would get it wrong or I'd get it wrong. And I remember going through in, I don't know, 54 or high 54 and thinking, oh, I've gone too slow. Or got, I went through once in 51.7 in a race. And thought, oh, God, I've gone too fast. And yeah, just getting it wrong and um, ne- never quite managed to crack 150. So that's a, it's a huge frustration, if I'm honest with you. I had a few injuries and um, yep. I also I also get uh, some something called cluster headaches. So that, that would take chunks out of my year as well. At that time, okay. I didn't have any medication for them and stuff. So, yeah, it's. it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, I love running. Gave, dedicate my life to it in, in lots of ways, and like train twice a day, went in the gym, did all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, I wasn't good enough, mate. Wasn't good enough. <laughs> well, what what got you into running as a nine year old? Uh, 
uh, were, were your parents into it? Um, what, how did it all start? Um, I, I love sport, so football, rugby, cricket, and anything, any sport, just loved it. Always wanted to be outside, wanted to be, you know, just playing, doing stuff on my bike or whatever it happened to be. And then, so if anything at school, it was like, right, we've got rounders, my hand would be up. Um, right, we've got yeah. netball, I'd stick my hand up. You know, I didn't, I didn't care what hockey, I put my hand up, didn't care. I, I, I grew up in a place called Salford, so we didn't have posh sports, you know, but, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so, so it's like, right, it's, it's, I don't know it's cross country or we've all right yeah cool I want to do it or right we're gonna it's athletics and so at different times of the year the, the different things to do and so there was a um, a school's competition and the PE teacher like was like oh well we've got this competition do you want to do it so I did a 600 which uh, at that age 600 was the long distance event so there's <laughs> a lot yep. a, a, a long way with you only got little legs obviously so yeah I did a 600 <laughs> and I won I won the schools race and then I won the inter schools race and then I became Salford Salford champion and yep. and and so it was you know re- reasonably good but just enjoyed it and and then I badgered my parents to take me to a, a running club and they were sort of like well look you play football and you've got you've got you you know you play rugby at the weekend and you train with your rugby in in, in the week and you're doing this and you're doing this and you're doing this and you've got gymnastics <laughs> at school and you've got I know, and I, I know, but I just kept pestering them, pestering them, and eventually they took me to um, a club called Sale Harriers, uh, yep. which is a pretty big uh, track and field club in in the northwest of of England, and got a good tradition and good systems. And there were a couple of people, a couple of coaches there called Graham and Anne Marshall, who were just brilliant. They had this primary school section and lots of really enthusiastic coaches. It was a, a lovely environment to be in. Um, and we did, yeah, lots of competitions, and they'd take us to like the Isle of Man for the Easter festival, and we'd we'd have different races with different clubs, and yeah, nice bunch of people, nice times, and and, and I just yeah, just absolutely loved it. So just kept going, and then kind of had to make a choice around the age of sort of fourteen, fifteen, around rugby because I used to play scrum half, and I'd, I'd need to bulk up quite a bit to survive on the pitch or or running. Yep. and I I um I opted to continue with the running. Yep. I saw you still seem to follow the rugby um, pretty um, passionately. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Salford rugby league fan. Yeah, my my, um, my dad inflicted it on me from from the age of um, well, from birth actually. I think so. <laughs> I did not have a choice, so I, I grew up suffering watching Salford lose week in week out. And but yeah, that that's that's a that's a real passion, and, and uh, I think it's a great sport, rugby league. Um, yeah, it just doesn't and... seem to be shared by too many people. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> Who were your biggest inspirations at that time? Like as you went through your teenage years, and um, when you sort of you know kept developing as a as a junior runner in the sport, um, who did you look up to? And um, yeah, who, who were your, some of your most um, uh, or the coaches and the influences that uh, or mentors that you learnt 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 a lot of uh, or can remember a lot of lessons that you learnt from over that period. Um, in, inspiration wise, I think I was pretty lucky that it was, it was a, a golden era of endurance for, for Great Britain. So it was just coming off the back of the Cohen Ovet period and you had people like Peter Elliott and Tom McKean and, um, and then a young Steve Cram coming through people like David Sharp and, and, you know, just some, some absolutely world-class athletes, obviously. And, um, so I, I was a big Ovet fan. I loved his attitude. Yep. Loved his style. Athletics was on the TV. Um, they'd have big meetings at Crystal Palace that were that were live, and 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 every everyone watched them. And these guys were going for world records, and 
Uh, there's a real buzz around the sport as well. Then it was it was it was very different to how how it's kind of viewed now or how popular it seems to be now. Um, so so watching that stuff was amazing. And then Steve Cram was really my my hero, sort of for for a good few years. And I, I remember the '84 Olympics. So I was 11 and um, on holiday in the Lake District in a caravan, and it rained for a week. So my dad and I went on to LA time, and we just watched the Olympics and. Um, obviously, Cole Cole defended his his fifteen hundred meter title, but Cram was in that race, and from, from as this young kid, the Jarrow Arrow, and yeah, so he he was a bit of a a bit of a hero, and went on to become world champion, and and just lo- yep. loved his attitude and the way that he ran. Um, so yeah, at the at the top level, those guys, but then just just at the, at the local level, and and yep. as I as I trained at Sale, I remember looking up to some of the older guys and. People who were who were there and doing doing really good things, and a couple of years later, in um, in the group that I then joined, we had sort of Kevin McKay and Craig Winrow, who were both Olympians, both went to world champs, Europeans, Commonwealths, um, British champions, one fifteen, one eight, and so I had some great people around that you could see and watch and and, and learn from. You know, you watch their attitude and the way they warmed up and, you know, somebody started doing drills. I'd never done drills, didn't know what drills were. And you start seeing these things. And even though you're not really sure why it might be, might be they're doing it. And if they're doing it, it's good enough for them. Then at that point, it was good enough for me. And so kind of just went on that journey a little bit. Yeah. Um, co- coaching wise, my, my, my um, dad coached me for, for many years. Um, and then a guy called Harry Darlington, who was um an ex army PT instructor and a really lovely guy. Um, so uh, he just, he, he just always tried to make it fun and never put any pressure on you and, um, gave a bit of self belief. So uh, possibly at that point, not so much like, Oh, the physiology of this, or, um, this is why we're doing this or, but just more around the, the, the culture of, of the sport and your, and your attitude to it. And, um, it, I guess a little bit more of the psychology of it. He he was into, um, yeah. So that that was that was that element. And then when uh-huh. when I went to university, we 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 didn't have um, a, a track, and um, there was nobody there was nobody around there. It, I, I went to North Wales to university. So I did a history degree first, and then I did a history PhD. So I've I've got a funny. Uh, route into physio <laughs> yeah i saw you it looked like you were at uni for so many years oh mate yeah just it's better than working isn't it um so <laughs> I, was, I was there a long time but there, so there was no so i'd come from the northwest of england where there's there's a real culture of running and, and lots of and track running is is a real big thing and stretford yep. was on the doorstep and that was kind of like a big a big venue for races and stuff from a track point of view and i went to north wales and it's mountains and sea and a lovely part of the world but there was no culture of track running there at all it was mountain running bit of road running and a couple of fantastic cross-country runners and stuff like that but no track runners and not really any coaches well no coaches in the the area where i was so and then the university built a track so i ended up it was kind of 94 i think the track the track was built and i started coaching a couple of younger uh, guys who who were locals who were pretty talented middle distance runners really and so I, I sort of fell into coaching and then and then had to try and, I guess, put things together a little bit more and try and learn a little bit about the the way you structure your coaching. People like, you know, looking at people, people like Peter Coe and Frank Horwell in Britain as, as some, as yep. some um, key coaches and different pace running and things like that. So just and then chatting to people 
I guess was the way that I, I went about it. But it was only yep. it's only really, I would say, uh, five, six years ago, I started working for the British Olympic Association, at, uh, the intensive rehab unit. And yep. in, in that environment, you, were, you worked, um, it's, a, it's a really privileged environment where any winter, summer or Paralympic sport could send an athlete in if they were injured and it was recalcitrant injuries and that type of thing and some, some difficult stuff and then post-op or, or it might just be the sport's all going away to a camp somewhere and there's no one around to look after an injured athlete so we'd, we'd look after them. Um, but in that environment, we'd have three athletes a week uh, and it was a full-time physio, full-time S&C, full-time physiologist and then part-time sports psych, doc, nutrition, soft tissue therapist wow. and doctor. Yes, yep. it, was, it's a, it, was an, it was an incredible team and we were led by a guy called James Moore um, who was, uh-huh. who, who's a an incredible therapist and um, a bit of a guru and all, all that sort of stuff. Um, yep. And he helped develop me. But w- working in that environment, yep. working alongside people day by day and drilling into the details, so working alongside the physiologist yeah. um, really, really gave me a greater depth and, of understanding and more insight. And the, physio- the physiologist there, a girl called um, Becky Toon, uh, was a, is a triathlete uh-huh. and so she and she's really interested in running and um and so lots of conversations around that and i really i think i really developed as a coach at that point um because yep. the the understanding just grew um and a few years yeah it's such a sorry, like one. good multi it's like such a um good multidisciplinary team um like just um you know to be able to have like access to a you know psychologist um yeah Oh, it, incredible physiologist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Re- really, it was a really good team. It was a spe- pretty special few years, actually. I think we, you know, we 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 gelled as a team, and yeah, there were some really good people. I, I think um, I, I can't remember the numbers now, but I think there were sixteen people who came through, who went on to. Oh, sorry, no, there were thirty people who came through the system in that four years, um, that four year cycle, who went on to medal at Rio. So, so oh, yeah, wow. it was a, it was a, and and there must have been like ninety odd people who actually did go to Rio, something like that, re- reasonably large numbers, and 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 a good medal return from it. And, um, but yeah, yeah, it was it yeah. was it was real real detail um, around around uh-huh. where you place things, and and we we had we had the scope to do what we wanted. So if it was they need treatment followed by S and C followed by treatment, or in the middle of an S and C, do mobilize this or treat this or you know, and, and we were yep. encouraged to explore those things, and you know where 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 you place things, and if you've got right early in the day, we want something with a neural drive. At the end of the day, we're doing something that's got a bit more local muscular endurance, or however we wanted to yep. put it together, it it was done. But the, it was the discussion side of things that um, that other people didn't see really, and we had problem solving boards, and and we yeah we went into lots of detail, and it was a great learning environment. <laughs> like um what. Uh, during that time like what what like from compared to before and after like what what do you think were your biggest um changes as a as a coach um like like how do you how did you did you did you change you know what were the little things that you probably change and do more now as a coach compared to maybe before the experience um that's a good question i think the uh, (laughs) i think the the process of training and a, and a broader understanding around volume. So I, I, it was a, this was kind of alongside 
you know, other bits of reading and other bits of influence and talking to other coaches. There's yep. a guy called Chris Jones, um, who's now head of Welsh athletics. He he's he was he'd come over from a triathlon background but also worked in in athletics over in Ireland. And we'd been talking and he'd been talking a lot and going looking at different models and, and the way you develop people. Now I had a I had a reasonable number of younger athletes that I was trying to develop and always having that long term approach. And so I, I guess the kind of the, the the way that you can achieve that aerobic development was was one thing and how, how getting them to slow down a little bit and, and volume. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that was also then, you know, go, going through things in the intensive rehab unit where it would be, well, we can improve mitochondrial density and we can get more local muscular endurance off a circuit or we can we can do. Um, some more cross training volume, which will which will give the same stimulus, but without all the load, which which could be a, a really huh, yeah. nice way to to top up. And then the technical element that's and the skill of running. Um, I get I guess through that period, the, it was it was a lot of there was a lot of thought around. Even when you when, yeah when you when you're rehabbing and it's like well, is is this a good exercise or is this a good exercise? Well, the exercise almost doesn't matter. It's that don't think about the exercise. It's like what's the adaptation you're looking to achieve, or what is it that what yeah. is it that you're trying to do here? Um, if we're working, you know, this is the end point. This is what we want to get them to. So that's that's almost our start point. What where do we want to get them to? Right, and then we can work backwards from there. And and so and so yeah. it was the it it was the specificity of each each thing that that you'd put in, and how you can bias things slightly slightly more around even just around um if you land on a flat foot on this drill you can make it a bit more of a hip dominant movement as you move or yep. if you land more midfoot you can you can make it more of a foot ankle dominant movement or yeah so and just the 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 working with James as well it was it was the you know the the why why that or why that or not you know don't just describe things drill into the detail understand what you're trying to do so um i think the thought processes probably just became a little bit clearer initially they probably came a little yep. bit cloudier and muddied as, yeah. as you go on that journey um, but yeah g generally it was it, that sort of detail um and so like in that um the british olympic association um sort of that senior physio yeah. role um did you just have great access to um all like lots of resources and and like like the athletes could i don't know get it get us a, a, a scan or a, a blood test or um yeah. uh you know that kind of stuff um quite readily yeah so those those structures and those links were were, were put in place um so yeah easy access to scans and, and bloods and, and uh, th there's a little bit of complication around we were kind of loco parentis we, we we weren't responsible for the athlete that was in there so we'd have to go through the sport because it's their their athletes and, and so sometimes um things might be a, a fraction yep. slower but no generally straight in get things done no problems that would that was easy um as far as you it's it's public money um so there wasn't there wasn't tons of cash it's not like um some of the some of the professional sports and like football where there may be a bit more money for 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 resources but we had um an endless pool we had an alter g we had our own gym we had force plates 
um, and, and we had access to um, a, a bigger gym just just literally on the same site um, but we we had we had but yeah we had what what we needed very much so it was it was a yeah really nice environment from from that point of view nice and and so you started out at the uni of wales and and did your history yeah. um degree and and then from like 92 to 95 and then 95 to 2000 um was it the phd yeah. in in philosophy um uh yeah it's it's, it's described as a philosophy phd but it was um it was a political phd so it was on the labor party uh between 1951 and 1964 mate have you, have you had to read this stuff and, and go through and do a bit of hope god bless you how boring for you um <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was on the labor party between 1951 and 64 so 13 years of opposition that was so it was after after clement attlee's administration <laughs> and the attlee administration was um basically after the second world war Churchill, the great war leader, apparently, uh, you know, ev- everybody thought he'd get back in and Labour won this election and there was this big shift and big sea change across the country around um, what people wanted and um, like the, be- I don't know if, you- yeah, the beverage report and all this sort of stuff around, around that yeah. driven, the driven a drive for change. And so, so the athlete, um, a guy called Anirin Bevan um, introduced the National Health Service on 5th of July, 1948. Um <laughs> So, so, so some huge changes that that were that were being implemented by by this radical government. So, um, and then yeah, and then they lost in nineteen fifty one. They got booted out. The Tories were back in, and they had this long period of opposition. So that's what I looked at. And then, like, um, what what sparked the in? Like, you're obviously coaching and doing your own running alongside um, your yep. university. Um, studies and then what sparked the interest to go into physio um... I, I think I'd always been pretty interested in uh, in, in physio yep. and, and that you know getting injured and <laughs> going to, I'd seen plenty of physios from that from that point of view as well yeah. and, and um, I'd, I'd done quite a lot of uh, research obviously for the PhD and I'd done a couple of sort of the reason it took a little bit longer was because I did a couple of six month uh, research assistant roles on other projects just to get a bit more money in Um and then yes. a junior lectureship position came up and, and, and I remember just thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not sure I can go into an archive and do all this research and sit down and write papers and teach this. And um, yeah. I, I probably, you know, it, it didn't inspire me quite like I'd hoped my career or my job would. And so I, I, yep. I thought oh, I'd like to do something different and I, and I love sport, and um, yeah, I, I thought maybe going, you know, going tra- doing training to be a doctor or or being a physio, and, and yep. training to be a doctor was obviously a lot longer. And I'd been quite a long time, as you already pointed out, quite a long time in, in school. <laughs> and um, yeah, from, so from a from a just from a time point of view, I thought I was the most efficient way probably would be to be a physiotherapist, and so managed to luckily got a place at at Salford actually at Salford University and, and, and trained as a physio. Yep. But what what um sparked the initial interest in, in say history and um have you always been have you always uh I don't know, like um thought like taken a deep interest in history or, or been sort of like a, a deep 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 thinker and, and really <laughs> thought about things and or yeah. I mean, <laughs> um I'm not sure I can manage deep thinking to be honest with you, but um 
Uh, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've I've always been really interested in history. Always been like history and English were um, a couple of subjects that I really really loved. Um, and uh-huh. and history and particularly social history, I, I loved I loved those stories. And I grew I grew up in um, a kind of left wing liberal house, I guess. And um, and then list you know just certain music and words and um radical songs and poetry and stuff like that actually um really interests yep. me and people like billy bragg and um uh, yeah like that, that, that's that, that sort of that that tra- that tradition um and learning learning about trade unions and workers movements and people fighting for the rights and um changes that were made across society with i don't know sc- school meals for, for kids and, and things like that and um, pensions for, for that Lloyd George introduced for, for pensioners and yeah, just thinking about like the impact that would have on lives and the change that would make and yeah the implementation of schooling for kids and um, and then factory conditions or poverty lines Booth and Roundtree and you know just there's loads of stuff that I, I just 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 thought wow it's, it's incredible stuff this and and you know tr- truly truly have an impact on 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 lives and changing society and changing society for me for the better you know and and um so that that stuff kind of i always found it inspiring and interesting and was fascinated by it so that that i had some good teachers i think as well and that helps and, and that led yeah. me down that route and grow growing up i remember so i was saying to my dad i don't i don't really know what i want to be or what i want to do and, and he was just like well just do stuff you yeah. enjoy then just if you like if you like history do history you know don't don't think about yep. don't think about where you're going to be or where it might take you just do the stuff you enjoy and um that makes it a bit easier so i never really gave it too much thought picking a level choices and and then going on to university to do a history degree i didn't really think oh what am i going to do next it was just well you know i enjoy this stuff and um those were the choices which it's worked out pretty well um (laughs) and like um yeah that's what i've enjoyed about doing this podcast is i've I've been um, interviewing a lot of different people and, and just by learning what, um, yeah, definitely, um, you know, certainly older, like other runners and, and what other runners have done in the past, like you, you can sort of, it can help sort of um, shape your your current sort of um, decisions on training and um, you can learn a lot from Oh, history. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, if we, if we keep making the same mistakes, then more fool laws because it's there in history and we can learn from it for sure. Yeah, um, and and then I was I was just um, in two thousand. You you ran a really good fifteen hundred. Um, uh, like you're obviously going really well with the fifteen hundred. You, you ran three forty seven, and and I, I just saw it once again. It was at the British Milers Club, and <laughs> and you placed thirteenth. Um, like being Australian, you hear about the British Milers Club a lot, and and that it's um you know really well run. Um, yeah. series of races and and they're really well seated and you know it's pretty amazing to come 13th um with a time like that yeah that was um so that was at the track that i trained at in withenshaw um and I, so i'd got into that was the 1500 meter a race so that for me was a pretty big deal because there were some obviously some good guys around so and i finished i finished last in that in that race but right but ran my pb yep. um i think um matt dixon who i trained with actually i think he won that race and 340 341 and I, I was i was reasonably close at the bell and i ran a 61 last lap and they ran a much quicker last lap um yep, yeah yeah the, the british milers club was 
uh, brought about to try and improve the standard of British middle distance running, essentially. And a group of people had got together to try and try and push things on a little bit. And, um, and, and so they put, they basically put on true run races, which, which are, are paced. Um, and it's been, it's been, um, it's been brilliant. There's, there's a little bit of, I don't know what criticism probably isn't the right word, but the, there's a little bit of how the, people coming through this system now don't know how to race. And so championships and, um tactical affairs trip them up a little bit because they're just used to being ra- you know chasing a rabbit and just just running around so um but yep. essentially in this country most people will unless you unless you're at a slightly higher standard and you and you're racing abroad most people you look at the power of 10 and the pbs will be running in british milers club races and that that'll be the thing that will sort of take them forward and it's yeah it's been it's i think i think personally i think it's been a great success and um, has has driven up standards, but that 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 season as well. That yep. was um, that was I think it was June, wasn't it? That I ran I ran that, and literally like I think like two or three days. Yeah. So that was that's that's early season. I think that was my second race of the season. I'd run I'd, I'd run I'd run the week before yep. at, Traf- at Stratford, um, ran pretty well, and then did that one, and then a couple of days later I got cluster headaches, and I tried to struggle on a little bit, but basically uh-huh. didn't really run another step until September. So I'd got myself in decent shape. Second race was that, hoping to move on and run a bit quicker. And yeah, bang, <laughs> the, head, the headaches came. Yeah, I was I was looking at that. I was like, I, I saw that it was early in the season, and then um, yeah, then nothing else really. Like you didn't really follow it up with yeah, anything. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't. Um, and then like. Oh no! I was yeah, just going to say, right. I don't know if you have, have you heard of cluster headaches or have you have you come across them? No, I like I um like I'm not not no. Are they like a, a yeah? So, so they're very much like or... that, and um, you you I I get them. Well, I used to get them every eighteen every eighteen months, pretty much, and you you get up to three or four of them a day, or in twenty four hours, I I'd get um, and it's uh, like one of the most painful things. You can, you can experience apparently um yep. so it's it, at, yep. at that time when i didn't have any medication for it, it was like basically as soon as i come into a cluster of them it would and they'd last they'd get, they'd get worse so i'd get a headache and then um a couple of days later another one couple of days later another one then one a day then two a day then three a day then four a day and then they'd then they'd back off again Jeez. but that w- it would probably be about three months the whole process so um and yeah. and the middle of that period yeah. of three months would literally be I'd get up to eat. Um, I might walk around a little bit, and then I'd go back to bed with another headache. And then I'd get up, and then I'd go back to bed with another headache. And it's just—it's it, so debilitating. It was ridiculous. Um, but, but I inject yeah, okay. myself with some triptin now. So um, that when 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 they come, um, so that's that made that's made a, an absolutely huge difference. But a bit too late from a running point of view for me. Um, yeah. Sure. So did you feel like that the, the cluster headaches really did, um, um, yeah, sort of curl tail? Um, oh, I, th- I think that, yeah, massive massive impact on it. I think you know taking taking three months out every yep. every eighteen months from an endurance yeah. point of view is just a disaster because the, that that true consistency of training just yep. just wasn't there. So the background never really built and. You know, you'd, I'd literally be starting from zero again. It wasn't even like you know when you're injured and you can cross train and you maintain. And you, I was literally, I was on, I was flat out. That's it. Bang! Don't move. Just, just. And they try, they tried to use um, prednisolone in in the early in the early stages when I saw the the uh, neurologist. He, he he prescribed 
um, huge doses of prednisolone, like 25 tablets. Um, um, and, and obviously oh, well. it's catabolic <laughs> rather than anabolic, that, that steroid. Um, so not particularly, not particularly helpful. <laughs> yep. yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Bone strength, bone and strength muscle mass and, and connective <laughs> tissue and yeah all, all that sort of and it just yeah. made you feel made, well i was already feeling pretty grotty but it made me feel a bit worse so yeah yeah it's a bit of a yeah a bit of a yep. frustration in, in lots of ways of that but it pro- probably and so these in these injections now like how, how much oh they help? massive like you, the only thing is because because they can impact on your um on your heart you can only have you can only have two injections in 24 hours so um if things are really bad, I'll suffer one in the night. Basically, I'll go right in the day. I'm injecting, and at night, if I get one, I'll just have to cop for it. Um, but so the pain, the pain starts. Yeah. I inject myself, and within four minutes, I'm pain free. It's like it's, it's the nicest feeling in the world. Uh-huh. If this wasn't a podcast, I'd be telling you now. It makes me want to try <laughs> drugs, but obviously, we don't, we don't want to get that out. <laughs> <laughs> I never have. Never have obviously. <laughs> Yeah, it's, 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 it's life changing in that period of time when I get them now. That is life changing. Yeah. What What's the proudest moment of of, of your own running career? Oh, um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what is the proudest moment. Um, I uh, I, w- I won um, the Welsh champs indoor fifteen hundred and three k in consecutive days um that was uh, that yeah those were to, to become yeah to, to win a national title was 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 really nice and then to do one again the next day was was even better um and both of them were relatively sort of tactical yep. i think i think the i ran like three 357 to win the to win the 15 and then 833 to win the 3k and we we both of them we jogged for for quite a bit of it and then finished with a with a decent kick and that was quite quite a but certainly in the three k it felt really nice to run like that for me as a as an eight fifteen runner it was like they played into my hands a bit um so yeah that, that, that yep. those were a, that was a nice weekend that was i enjoyed that one nice and then um yeah after you finished your physio yep. um degree um i saw that you um became a physio with salomon um uh yeah, the, yeah. the trail running team for g b b um like what does that involve and um yeah how's that experience um, been yeah so so they, they were basically into adventure racing and they had a link at the time with um saab so you know the car company do you remember i think they went to the wall i think but, yeah so but saab oh, yeah. invested a little bit of money into the british um trail running team and uh, there was a guy in north wales called tim lloyd who who was the the manager and his background was he 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 was like number three ranked skier in Great Britain behind the Bell Brothers at, um, at his peak, and and then he'd coached at a high level and been to a Winter Olympics and stuff like that. So he he had a real good sort of winter sport knowledge and and um, re- really nice guy. And his wife was a mountain runner, and I'd been treating her for an injury, and so that that was actually the, the link there. And then he he asked me to get involved with Salomon. Um, and the deal was basically though they 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 give me the Salomon kit um, because they didn't really have that much money. Obviously, it's not yep. it's not a really rich sport. Um, and and I went and did a few a few things for them. Pro- probably probably some of the most amazing um, trips I've been on. So the, I don't know if you've heard of the Transalpine Run. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so oh, that's, yeah, um, I've heard like, of it. You run basically a marathon a day through the Alps. Um, 
and it's over, yeah. I don't know, six, seven days, something like that. And we, they took a team out, which was, so you run it in pairs. And so they took um, two guys and a mixed team. Um, so Andy Simmons and Tom Owens, who won overall and won comfortably at the end of it. Um, they were they were brilliant. And then Angela Mudge um, and Ben Barsley were the mixed team. And we, so, we, yeah, we, we went out and we travelled around the Alps and they ran these incredible routes. And what one of the days just, I mean, everyone was doing pretty well and they were they were winning by, by quite a lot. And it started early, but I, I got up one day um, and a friend of mine had come out to watch as well. And, and we got up at like five o'clock and we ran the route, the 27 mile route through the Alps, um, set off an hour and a bit before them and just trotted, just, just cruised around this 27 mile route. And it was it's the most stunning yep. run I've ever done in my life. Run, running through alpine passes and up and over some reasonable big climbs, and um, uh, it, it was just it was just amazing. And so yeah, for, for the for the Salomon team, it was generally going out to support them around a few a few things like that, and then they'd have um, get-togethers where they did where they gave them the kit and and stuff, and did a training weekend and got some footage. And Salomon were pretty good at. Um, at the social media side of things and this is going back a good few years and you know getting getting decent footage yep. and Killian Jornet was obviously their their star man but they had Anna Frost facing Great Britain as well and um and, and a couple of other really really like you know p- people who were if they were if they were track runners you, you'd know their names because they, they were that good within within that that niche of the sport but obviously in, in mountain yep. running it's it's uh, yeah it's a relatively small number of people and um, so, so people don't hear of them, but they were, they were, they were incredible athletes, really humble people. Um, so, so it was, it was re- really, really, really enjoyable times actually. Um, and, and yeah. yeah, some, some great trips to some amazing mountains. Nice. And, um, you, you would have had like a lot of, uh, 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 incredible moments as well. Um, like, uh, being the, um, or currently as the lead endurance physio um, for British athletics yeah. um, uh, and, and, you know, at the start you de- at the conversation, you detailed, um, you know, uh, some of the experiences you've had in Kenya yeah. uh, and, and then you've also been to places like Fort Rameau in yeah. France and, um, and then obviously been to, um, you know, so many major championships. Like what are some of the pinch yourself moments that you can sort of recall <laughs> Uh, from a physio side of things, uh, you know, just um, uh, I suppose trying to help some of the distance runners, like say Mo Farah or or Charlie Grease or Charlotte Purdue or you know some of those runners. Like, what have been some of I don't know the pinch yourself moments <laughs> where? Um, and, and can you give like an insider's perspective or some stories of um, yes, just something that you yeah you you found um, pretty incredible. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, like like you say, it's been. Yeah. It's, it's been um, a, an incredible experience and it's privileged, isn't it, to work at this level and work with some of the people yeah. that, you, you know, you're working with people day in, day out who have the most amazing dedication to what they do, really, you know, and, and, and really commit to it. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's humbling to, to be in the role. Um, I, I think from a, from a if, I, if I give you a few little bits, for, first of all, as a, because of yep. the coaching element as well, I've coached, um, so in particular, there's a couple of girls that I coached uh, that made GB teams for cross country and uh, been to European camps. And yep. um, so Georgina Outen and, and Carrie Hughes, both both have had a number of GB vests. And 
Um, so going to like Eurocross or World Cross, where actually I bumped into you, didn't I? Out, out in Uganda in was that twenty nineteen? Yeah, in Uganda. 2017, yeah, 2017. Yeah, sorry. Um, so Carrie, who I coach, was yeah. was um, racing for Great Britain at that, and um, so I've known Carrie from like the age of say, I think she must have been eleven or twelve, and coached her from then, um, and and to to go on that journey with somebody and then see them pull on the Great Britain vest and run a Euro Cross or a World Cross, or yeah, you know that yep. that's been yeah, that's that's really special, Re- really really incredible, and 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 something I'm really proud of but also you know just like so proud of what she's done and the person that she is and stuff like that so that's that's been amazing um because how how old how old is uh, she she's now? 21 just so she's at she's at loughborough now and, and um, yeah yeah she she's got a, hopefully she's got a great future ahead of her but um we'll we'll, yeah. we'll see that's so cool yeah seeing like you know being involved um with her career for 10 yeah, years yeah so. And there's a, there's a few like there's a few younger younger ones coming through and a few few older ones that have done done pretty well and like a couple of them have won Snowden Marathon which is which is a a fairly big marathon over here that's tough and coached a couple of people who've won that and yeah th- th- those sorts of real take real pride in the fact that they've done it and you, and that you've you've helped them along the way but you know what it means to them is is the bit that I, I really love and how how much it matters to them and and the impact it has on their lives it's it's like it's really special stuff like sport. Yep, sports an amazing thing. Uh, don't underestimate. That. I think I think lockdown yeah. has shown us that. Um, but yeah, back back to the back yep. to the question of it. Um, so going going off yep. to camps, I think um, is a really good experience in that there tends to be. So hold, holding camps are different because there's a little bit more pressure around them, but generally we keep them pretty relaxed. And there's a nice team of people who are who are putting the support structures in place and the physiologist is there and the coaches are there and their life is, is pretty, is made pretty simple. I mean, they, they're well looked after. Um, they're well recovered. They're well supported on runs. They get paced around track sessions, you know, and um, it's, it's, we're enablers, I guess, at, at that time. And, and, and it's a really, that's a really good experience, but the camps that are just right, we're going away for this block of time. Cause it's, you know, with the, the, we're putting some base down and, OK, we're leading into a summer season, but there's no massive pressure on them. And you get to spend time with the athletes and coaches yep. and get to know people a little bit better. And you're yep. in Flagstaff or you're in Samaritz or, you know, I've been to Ethiopia to altitude. I've been to Kenya to altitude. It's um, So, so you, you get to see bits of the world and you also get to see people in, in a more relaxed environment. And, and that's so that's that's really cool. Um, I yep. think last year, going to the World Champs, um, there were, there were, it was well, it was tinged with Charlie Grice who ran three thirty in Monaco. Didn't make the British team, and I obviously worked with Charlie on a regular basis, and um, that that was a real disappointment personally for him, and and obviously for for the team around him because he was in great shape, and it just didn't quite work out. He had probably one bad race all season, and it was British Champs, so he 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 didn't go. But then, yep. um, Jake. Whiteman, who, who's another, have you, you know, Jake, the fifteen hundred meter runner. So Jake, Jake yeah. had had a pretty, yeah, yeah, a pretty major injury um, the, from the December before that, um, and that injury required a huge amount of time and effort and work, um, obviously from him, but but from from me as well to put the structures in place, and um, he he rehabbed incredibly well. 
it was it was one of those rehabs where things didn't really go wrong, you know, where where you you you, yep. you achieve you achieve what you were wanting to achieve before you move on. The progressions were good, um, everything went well, and and he got back into his running. And then we were a little bit fortunate that world champs were a little bit later in the year as well, so that bought him a bit of time. And um, so to go then to in, yeah to world champs with him after after spending the whole year really trying to get him back and 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 with with a with a number of other people as well involved in in various elements who who played really important roles um to then to see him make the final and then run 331 and finish fifth in that final was 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 really special and um again he he's an absolute pleasure to work with like he couldn't be a nicer guy one of the nicest people you'll meet in in, in athletics and uh, so, so if if you you know you, you're working with somebody like that day in day out, and then they go on and and do that, and there's more to come from him, I'm sure. But yeah, that that was um that was a really really nice moment. And and so, so before his final, you know, we've got a a pre race routine and and some stuff that we that we do from a from a getting the body ready to to go. And uh, is this moving? Is that moving? And we've we've got you know we had it pretty nailed down about what we wanted to do, and then a bit of activation work, and then. Off to do, off to do drills and strides, yep. and then off you go, and, and you're away. Um, so yeah, you know, you sh- you share that that moment um, before before he goes into into the cauldron, really, and and um, yeah, it's, it was it's it's th- those moments you kind of you, you nobody else nobody else sees, and everyone else just sees the race on the TV or if they're in the stadium, the race. And, yeah, but behind the scenes, there's a whole lot of stuff going on and british athletics work pretty hard around that the environment we call it the tent environment because often you're just in a tent somewhere or you know the the bit before and 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 what that looks like and what the feel is and um the the way people work and communicate in that environment is, is seen as something that can can help the process um as far as as far as how the athlete feels and 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 how they're how they're good to go Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, that that's that's really cool insight. Um uh like um like what 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 would you um um regard as um your sort of philosophy um from all your years of running yourself, your years of coaching, your years of physio? Like what what's your like what do you live by in terms of when you're treating a runner? Like what what I know that's hard to like simplify because <laughs> um, there's you know yeah. everyone's different and um, there, there's so much going on. Um, uh, but like, what 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 are some like really strong principles you really like to um, uh, promote and um, you really like to see um, with um, you know you know in runners and especially say um, if they're striving for their best performance yeah. or they're they're trying to stay uninjured like. Um... Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it is difficult to get into uh, to to whittle it down in some ways, but there's there's a there's a kind of a, yeah. well there's an approach of structure, function, movement, and metabolism. So sort of four pillars that I, that I kind of would would look at, um, and then there's a there's a way in which I would approach every um, assessment that I do. So there's some there's some kind of some key things that I want to look at, some key areas that I want to know that are moving. So from, from a, from a running point of view, I, I, I'm going to look at 
as a matter of course and, and done pretty quickly, I'm going to look at like first Ray, first MTPJ range of movement. I'm going to look at weight bearing dorsiflexion. I'm going to look at terminal knee extension. Um, I'm, I'm going to look at um, the the pelvis and uh, and symmetry around there, and then grossly look at yep. yeah range, range of movement at, at the hip. Um, and and just try and make sure that, especially as you get to as you as you get to know the athletes, there are certain key things that we know that we might want to influence with them. But I would, it, it's it's difficult to, it's difficult to explain with like visually it'd be a lot easier. But there's there's a there's a process of just like getting an athlete in front of you, standing them with their feet together, knees together. I get them to put go go into a next knee extension. Have you got terminal extension? I get them to bend. Off that, I will also know. Yep. So if that's the first time I see somebody, I'm going to, once they've gone back and then bent, I've got I've got their weight bearing dorsiflexion. I can look at what's happening at the foot as they bend. I can see the position of the knees, whether they might be. I'd have to check this obviously, but if they've got an antiverted hip or, um, and then I would also know their lower limb structure, so whether they're genu varum or tibial varum or relatively neutral. So it, there's there's kind of loads of clues that you get just from that initial initial process of. So and once I know, and then there's there's an easy way to look at um, their foot type. So they may be they might have a rigid cavus foot and a and a and a, a long second toe, and or they may be valgus from the, the first MTPJ. So. Off, off a, off a tibial varum and a rigid cavus foot and a valgus toe. I, I, then I know that when they're running, that they're going to be there's going to be more load. They're likely to land lateral, and they perhaps stay in out um, supinated a little bit longer. And then there's a there's a whip across the foot, and so I would, might want to look at them their midfoot a little bit more. Or the valgus is telling me that the big toe is working a little bit too hard. So what's the What's the capacity like in the calf, or the efficiency in the calf, or you know, you, so so you, there's kind of clues along the way when 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 you look at someone. Um, those those bits yep. would be where I'd go, and then um, tr trying to keep things rel relatively simple as well. Look, does does the joint move effectively, and, and and all that sort of stuff. But one one of the key one of the key things, and this this absolutely messed my head up for for ages as a, as a physio was. Why do muscles get tight? Because I, I'd spent a lot of time treating people and they come in, my calf's tight. Okay, I'll free it. Oh, my hip's tight. Okay, I'll free it out. Yep. And you'd see them the next week or the next day, my, my calf's tight, my hip's tight. Okay, I'll free it out. And then and yep. then I was challenged on that a little bit. But yeah, well, why do muscles get tight? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I just free them out, don't I? Because that's what I do. That's my job, you know? And, and you just sometimes, <laughs> you, you need to stop and think, don't you? And, and like, um, so, so, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll say I'll save you the horrors of of um, having to answer that question and and putting you on the spot like like I was done. But um, it's, so so it's like mus muscles get tight either because they're weak because the synergist is weak because they're protecting a nerve yeah. or they're protecting a joint. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, okay, unless there's something yeah. neurological going on and, and something that you might need to be a bit more concerned about. But then it's like, okay, yeah. so yeah. if someone's got an unstable joint and the muscle is tight and splinting to try and protect it, and I keep freeing it out, actually, all I'm doing is exposing them. Yeah, you know, so it's 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 kind of yeah. it's the layers yep. and the detail and the understanding of what you're doing and how you organise a treatment and the the, the um, e e even to the point of the 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 process and the order of your treatment and and which bits you want to work first and why. So and and, and those things come from a, a yep. little bit of time, b 
bit of understanding and see conversations with some key people and 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 that's been the biggest thing it's like who who you surround yourself with and 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 who influences you and what you're exposed to because exposure is the key um so so yeah i i, I yep. remember I remember it was a while ago now but i remember that conversation will live with me till the day i die where i'm just like and then it's like well why am i doing this and 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 it's why and it's why and it's why and that that's the thing that made a real big yep. difference so you've got a tight calf why it's not just it's a tight calf there will be a reason i need yep. to know the reason i need to work it out i need to try and because then i can then i can be corrective in what we're doing right and 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 proactive rather than just reactionary yep 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 and then um from a co- coaching point of view um like that like that that like that was like that's very like stru- like structural and like like a focus on sort of you know the anatomy um then what like how much um i suppose um yeah do you co- you focus on sort of the the psychology and the the personality um and the emotional side of um that the athlete in front of you as well or in your role with uk athletics is that sort of um you know, not as much your responsibility, or does um, it sort of blend? I, I think I think it's actually massive. That I, th- I think it's yeah. so. It's not. Is that directly my responsibility yep. with UK athletics? No, because there's a psychologist, and there'll be people that they're working with. But unless I'm aligned with yep. that psychologist, and again, going back to the intensive rehab unit, the psychologist used to see the athletes early, and they would talk uh-huh. to us about the language that we use, the messaging, and how we message yes. um, threats for that athlete um and 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 like huge absolutely huge i don't think i can overemphasize how important the psychology of it all is and then going back to your earlier question actually probably something i thought about at the time and then didn't didn't really um go into any didn't really mention it but the the psychology of that moment so the bit with jake before like if i'm if i'm a bag of nerves or he he picks up that i'm worried or I'm, i'm a bit stressed or (laughs) <laughs> all I'm going to do is project that onto him. So, so um, yeah, I think uh-huh. the psychology. Well, we I think we all know that psychology and is a massive, massive factor in performance. And getting so getting that right is really important. And I think, yep. I think decent physios are are, um, are pretty well well tuned into to the to the person in front of them. And, and and I think you have to have that that understanding. And and the psychology yep. element is huge and certainly from a coaching point of view there are there are athletes that I, I know some need to have a bit of pressure put on them some need to have a bit of pressure taken off them some need to be calmed down and that's not just around races that's that's a, that's around like decision making and good decision making around little niggles or how tired they are or how well they recover or um or th- th- those those sorts of things they just become they just become really important because if you can start to instill the right decision making processes or you can put them in a in the right frame of mind there then and, and be positive appropriately obviously but you, you know you can you can, i think you can get the best out of people once you know how they work and um that, that's yeah that's it's something that probably i didn't appreciate as much when I was an athlete, even though I was an athlete that would probably put a lot of pressure on myself to perform and worry and stress, um, which isn't my which isn't my norm in, in my day to day life. That's not me. But certainly, certainly as an athlete, it was it was like yep. yeah, 
that 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 was a, a big factor and and um, and something that was to my detriment. I think. I don't, I don't know if you've ever ended up like yeah. racing where yeah. you're just flat and you're flat because you've got you've 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 used so much nervous energy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've so had a lot. Of I, I, I could I could do that with <laughs> amazing skill, uh, and then the race would. Be, it would be like you know people used to sit and kick. <laughs> I used to sit and fade. So. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah, you yeah. wore yourself out mentally so much. And, and I was yep. at the World Champs this year, going yeah. to the going yeah. to the women's fifteen hundred meter final with Laura Muir, yep. and and I'm sat on the bus, and yep. she's just merrily chatting away. And it it was like we got get on the bus to go shopping, and I was thinking, blimey, she's incredibly relaxed and just chatting to, her. and she's like, well. I've worked so hard for this and this is this is finally the time's come and I've got here this is what I wanted to do I can't wait and I'm like what an approach I used to go to a BMC race yeah. and literally yeah. I'd be I'd spend more time in the toilet in my warm up than jogging you know and and she's she's at the she's at the world champs just telling me yeah she's cool <laughs> isn't it <laughs> uh, yeah right okay yeah, lesson learned lesson learned about 30 years too late but lesson learned <laughs> Do you, um, what about like, do you have any sort of experiences, um, with, um, say Mo Farah and, um, his approach and, and what you're, what you've gleaned from him and, and, uh, what you feel like makes him such a, a champion um, runner? So although I've been involved with British athletics for, um, a number of years, so 2007, I actually started doing bits of work for them and I've seen Mo around camps and, and obviously now a, a lot more, but I've only been the... Um, endurance lead for the last couple of years so um i i i haven't had yep. that much exposure to mo in competition and around the big competitions um but i guess i guess what i've seen from mo yep. is an incredible an incredible work ethic um so he, his 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 ability to train and um, his desire to train is is incredible and certainly all the bits around it have, have been super impressive as well when when you you know the snc is stuff that he used to do but one one of the things that my mind still boggles with with mo on this is he could go to so we were in we were in front remo a couple of years ago and he had to do a long run and i think he ran six, 16 miles yep. um on the grass on the inside of a track Yeah, and I saw him out in Ethiopia really? where he was doing. He was, he did a really <laughs> he did a really long. I can't remember whether it was twenty one or twenty two miles as part of his marathon prep. And at the track in Ethiopia, um, the, there's like a tr there's a trail almost around the outside of this four hundred meter track. So probably pr probably around five hundred meters a lap on 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 the dirt. And and he ran yeah twenty two miles on that. But you should have seen the twenty two miles. I mean, he was dropping four forty miles at the end. At two thousand seven, oh, two thousand eight hundred meters. Geez. I mean, just but just like it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, some people would be like, oh, I can't, I can't do twenty two miles on a, on on a five hundred meter loop. I'm not not going to do. It doesn't bother him. Pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, far out. Um, and and like, are there any other sort of um insights into like just being around all these you know high 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 level distance runners and elite distance runners that are you know you know, some of the best runners in the world. Um, like what are like some of the other um common <laughs> characteristics that you've noticed that they all, all seem to have most of the time. Um yeah. 
Yeah. So I think um, and the, the endurance world. Well, I mean, there's a, there is a big mix. To be fair, there are some there are some people talk about there not being enough characters in sport nowadays and stuff like that. You've got someone like Andrew Butchart, who's very funny and like a prankster and always up to something and you know and, and great yep. to have around camps. Um, there's a guy called Tom Lancashire who's, who's the set. I think was he there in 2014 when you were there, Tom? Yeah. Like a really good guy. Yeah, he was. Camps, um, funny, charming, yeah. incredibly handsome. Um, yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so, someone like that who's, just, who's, who's good value around, and um, that, like that makes that makes a camp so much better when you've got people who, who are yeah who who, who are like that. Um, but ge- generally speaking, I would say yeah. that there's just within that world that they have. Um, a real ability to get down to the hard work. Like I think, I think in, in order to be a truly world-class endurance yep. athlete, you're looking at a number of years of just getting up, getting it done, running hard, training big volumes, hard sessions, recovering, getting up and doing it again the next day, making sure you eat the right food, trying to stay healthy. Like it's, yep. it's, it's hard. It's incredibly hard. I, I, I think, Anyone who anyone who runs to a decent level will know how hard you have to work to get there. And f- and for the guys at the top level, they're they're working harder. Honestly, like they 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 don't leave a stone unturned. You know, you mentioned Charlie Grice there, again someone who, um, Elliot Giles, another another guy that I'm yep. working closely with. Like he he will he he's like a sponge for work. He just like yeah, give me more. You just tell me, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And those guys will session hard and go in the gym yep. and work hard, and then they'll do the, the the second run of the day, and they'll rest in between. But they are working, like, yeah, it's long days, long hours, hard work, repetitive, exhausting. You know, and they and they get on with it. I mean, it's 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 also a privilege, isn't it, to be able to do that? But at the end of the day, that's their job. Um, yeah, but it, it, yeah, as you know, it's not nine to five, and yep. and it and it, it's it's um it's 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 yeah. different for people who like for me as a, as a runner when I was running, it was a hobby and I loved it and I worked hard, um and I committed to it obviously, but yeah, for for the guys at the top level, it, it's the job and there's a totally different pressure around, um around performance and what they achieve and um there are, you know, manufacture ring um contracts that they they need to perform at a certain level otherwise they're going to get cut or their funding from the national governing body will will go and and then they don't have the medical support and you know so there's a whole lot of pressure around around the process and um, it's it's not it's not it's not dead easy that's for sure i, I think i think yeah so generally there's there's a there's a character that's prepared to work incredibly hard and keep working incredibly hard over a long period of time, I think that's that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could like my brief experience in Kenya. I just couldn't believe um, that. Really opened my eyes in terms of how hard they all were working in the gym and uh, um, yeah, just doing those extra extra one percenters, whether they were in the pool or or then they were go- going to have a nap or a sleep yeah. or they were eating well and um, yeah, really did open my eyes to. Um, yeah, what the the camp and environment involved, and um, yeah, because recovery and yeah. sleep um, and, got, and, I, and those I've things. You know, I've, we've I've... got there are sleep experts that have been consulted, and um, the physiologist is is helping them and monitoring things. And 
Um, the, the, the other the other funny thing, sometimes like um, out in the first time I went to Font Rameau, um, which yeah. is sort of 1800 meters and all these generators turned up. And I'm like, what have we got generators coming for? Like for the, for the, for the altitude tents. I'm like, but, <laughs> but we're at altitude. Yeah, but it's 1800 meters and we want them to be at two, four. So they're going to, so yeah, a number of them were sleeping in their altitude tents in, in altitude because it wasn't quite high enough. So they try and make sure they get a slightly bigger stimulus. So, so stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, um, like you were saying, um, with your experience um, as like in the, oh yeah, with, with those altitude camps, like was it were they sort of um, linked up with a lot of studies as well um, uh, that you were doing during the camp, like to or, or like how did they how did they sort of work out um you know certain things about um yeah well like we would like you to sleep at that altitude versus that altitude like um or is that just coming from yeah uh, very much physiology physiologist or things um and around so close work from the physiologists and the coaches around when at home when they might go into a tent before they go to altitude um so periods of time that they're going to spend in the tent and then the height um, for what they think is going to give you the best stimulus to force the adaptation that you're trying to get. Uh, but yeah, that's very much, very much physiology led. And then obviously the blood tests pre and post camp to see what's happened and what shifted as well as the, the sort of lab tests. Um, and, and also out on camp, uh, you'll have seen, was a, was a physiologist out? It must've been for a picture you were out for ages. So at some point there must've been, um, uh... Was it? It could it could have been Barry, yeah. Barry, Barry Fudge would have been or... one of the physiologists at no. that time, um, and and yeah, so they'd be they they'd be taking yeah. um, lactate readings on the track and doing all that sort of stuff, and so the athletes were getting regular feedback, and the 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 big thing certainly, and and from learning the lessons the hard way was people were were working particularly out in Kenya at two four, people were working too hard too soon, putting themselves in a hole. And, and and essentially not getting out of that hole for, for often for months afterwards. And so monitor, monitoring the sessions and not sessioning too yep. early in your, in your block of time out there. And yeah, keeping an eye on that. Like, look, you're working too hard. Your lactate is this or yeah, that, that, that sort of stuff got better. Um, but again, it's just, it's a, there's a bit of a, a learning process, isn't there? The, the other thing is people got ill out in Kenya a bit as well sometimes. So, there were a yeah. few there were a few bugs and the doctors had had the work cut out sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're still doing yeah, that. Yeah, camp, the, camp, the Kenya, Kenya camp still goes. Or... Um it tends to be a yeah. January camp now. Um it's smaller in, in numbers. Um but that's that's essentially because um South Africa has been used a little bit more. So we we in January we had a camp in Potcher's room in South Africa and any ten in Kenya, um, but more of the athletes were choosing the South Africa camp. So, yep. um, yeah, we, we, it's it, it depends on numbers for for yeah, what yeah. the support structures around it look like. Yep. Nice. Um, all right, Andy, I'm I'm so appreciative of the time that you've spent with me. Um, yeah, today. Um, yeah, uh, like. Like yeah, I, sure. I just wanted to finish off with just one last question and it's just about your own coaching and your own squad. Like 
who are you most excited about, um, you know, going um, into the next year or two? Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to watch that number coaching. of people now, aren't I? By, by, by no... <laughs> they probably, uh, they might not listen. Oh. Hopefully, but... <laughs> I'll, I'll, only t- I'll only tell one person then to listen or two, maybe I'll pick some people <laughs> out and tell them to listen because they get a mention. Um, so there's, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of good young guys <laughs> that I'm coaching. Um, so we'll go with the youngsters rather than, because... Uh, a couple of the older ones who, who hopefully will achieve some pretty good things in the next couple of years as well. But um, so there's a young guy from North Wales. Um, I don't yeah. live there now, so I don't see him, which is a bit of a shame as much as I used to coach all the other guys on with, you know, seeing them three, four times a week. Um, but a guy called Oshan Perrin, who is 16 and he does a little bit of triathlon as well. He's, he's certainly got um, big things ahead of him, I think. But he, so he ran... 8.23 for 3k last year at the age of 16 and he ran there's a road race in, in ireland um a 5k so although oh, obviously wow. i protect him a little bit from doing too many 5k races and that type of thing but he ran 14.40 what did he run 14.42 i think um in, in for 5k in armar yeah and, and, and he's just wow. doing his gcse so he's just uh, just finished secondary school um at that point so he he's he's a real talent, and I think um, we well the plan was to try and do some slightly quicker stuff and just get his leg turnover a little bit better and work on the skill of running a little bit more um, and do a couple of fifteen hundreds as well this year um, and the European youths were the target, but obviously that's been cancelled and he can't get on the track because tracks are shut and uh, it's it's weird times. But yeah, Oshan he, he broke yeah. the Welsh. Um, 3k record for, for 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 his age group um last year and that I, I, um, I don't know how much you know about wales but there've been some really fantastic welsh endurance athletes so steve jones who ran 27 for the marathon being being one of them and then someone like dowie griffiths yeah. who's, who's currently um a british international yep. and jake haywood who as a junior ran i think he might have just broken steve cram's junior record a couple maybe not last season season before went to world juniors and yeah so a, a load of really good guys who've come through and oshan oshan broke broke the broke the record there so he he's he's a real talent and got a great attitude um he looks like um he looks like a surfer dude with his he's got long 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 blonde hair or captain caveman if you remember him um <laughs> So yeah, he, he he's 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 a he's a good talent. And then there's another under twenty guy that I coach called Oli Barbaresi who uh was ranked second in Great Britain last year over five K around fourteen twenty one. Um to make European champs last year, he had to run fourteen twenty. So in the trial he finished second. So they take two people, but in the trial he finished second. Literally uh-huh. two of them crossed the line in fourteen twenty one. Um so he didn't get to go because he was a second off. Um, uh, the other guy actually Obviously ran take slightly quicker somewhere else and managed to get the time, so he he went. But Ollie Ollie just missed out. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's uh, an, another one who's got yeah huge, huge amounts of talent. Um, and he's he's in his second year at university. He's studying um, sort of engineering at Imperial in London, so he's a pretty bright guy as well. And juggling a lot of a lot of different things there. Um, with academic work running and obviously trying to meet women um so so, so all, all that stuff going on in this world but yeah real talented athlete and another lovely guy who, who hopefully will go on to to some good things nice 
Nice. And I saw that you're still running your um, core or strength oh, yeah. thing from yeah, Zoom yeah. Do you want me with to send your group, you link? your yeah. training group. <laughs> I, think, I think you might be asleep. But, uh, yeah. So tonight at 7 oh, no. o'clock um, <laughs> no, is, is, uh, is socially distant core. Yeah. <laughs> And a few, a few of the guys, a few of the guys from British Athletics that I work with have been on it as well. So, um, which is quite nice for a lot of a lot of the younger athletes as well that I coach. And you know, they yeah. they come onto Zoom to do core, and they've got Andrew Bootchart and Elliot Giles and um, Sarah McDonald and Rosie Clark all, all all jumping on as well. So yeah, it's uh, they 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 kind of think, oh, this is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's so inspiring. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank, thanks so much for the time, Andy. Um, a lot of, like so many um, runners from Australia will really enjoy this chat. And okay. um, can, can I yeah, just we'll, say to all we'll the really Australians who the chat, so, um, I'm not keen on yeah, you no. um, because you've made my life miserable as a rugby league fan over the years. Australia has come over and smashed us <laughs> every time. It's one of the most depressing parts of my life. <laughs> and um, I blame each and every Australian for that. Uh, so, there you go. <laughs> no, I hope, I hope people do enjoy it. And um, yeah, no, thank uh, really you, good speaking to you, Dave. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll catch you somewhere on the circuit at some point.